Okay, welcome to Under the Dome, another exciting episode. We're now week two of the regular season. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, we just finished week two. We're in week three of the regular season. Uh, we're going to review week two. I'm your host, Alan Ulrich, uh, along with my partner here, uh, Mr. Sean Williams. How you doing tonight, Sean? Doing good, man. I, I'm, I'm finally getting over whatever this bug I caught in Tiger Stadium uh, well, you stay on that side because I don't need my phone or my iPad or my computer infected. So you stay yeah, over there. It's like Stu told me the other day. He said, man, you need to log off right now because my my devices can't handle any uh, virus. <laughs> Absolutely. I gave, I gave him points for trying. There you go. There you go. But um, hey, I, I got to experience for the first time ever a uh, Saturday night, a Death Valley Saturday night. And I've heard about it. Uh, and I had an emotional moment there of waiting for the game to begin. I was sitting there looking down at the field and thinking, wow, Billy Cannon, Hokey Gaijan, Burt Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., Dalton Hilliard, Eric Martin, uh, Tommy Hodson, uh, just all these names that I've, I grew up watching. And this is the <laughs> same grass that they played on, basically. But uh, – it was – we had a really good time. Uh, we didn't get involved in any of the fights in the parking lot. Uh, well, that's we, good. Yeah. You know, my wife can be kind of tough when it comes to throwing down, so I had to, <laughs> I had to steer her away from a couple of those. But uh, I, uh, I, I'm like uh, Toby Keith. I'm, I'm not as good as I once was, uh, but I'm good if I have to be. Uh, I got one left in me, so I got to save it. That's right. You know, it, when, um, when I absolutely have to beat my way out of somewhere, I got one left in me. That's all I got. So yeah, uh, someone asked me the other day. He said, "Do you still run?" And I said, "Man, I don't even run if someone's chasing me. <laughs> if, I, if I have to run or die, I'm going down, brother." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Them days are behind me. I can I can do a little bit, but I can't do as much as I used to. Um, okay, well. Let's go ahead and uh, get the uh, preliminaries out of the way. Um, thank our sponsors again, uh, Fan First Productions. Uh, I got it right this time, didn't I? Yes, sir. It's Fan First. Yes, okay, good. All right. Fan First Productions. And as always, you, you can follow us on YouTube, on iTunes, if you just want to hear the audio portion of the show. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook. Um Am I missing anyone else? I, uh, I, I think that just about covers it. You can reach, okay. us, you can reach us by uh, email at underthedomepodcast at gmail.com. And we love to hear from you guys and get your input on what you like, what you didn't like, uh, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. And uh, just be kind. Let, let's not get political or uh, hurtful with our comments. No, I already did enough political stuff. Uh, I used to write columns every week, so I, I, I get enough political flack as it is. Um, no, uh, we are we are a, a New Orleans Saints-based podcast, and we prefer, uh, while the political uh, issues may be very relevant, uh, they do, do not, by, by most accounts, we, we, they do not apply to the New Orleans Saints or the outcome of any of their games. So we prefer to leave that 
uh, topic discussed and debated in other forums. Absolutely. I, I don't, you know, I'm looking for the Saints to get away from politics for a while. I don't feel like talking about politics with us. Okay, so we're now 0 2. Uh, yet again, it was a good, close game where one or two plays either way could have made a difference. Um, and just like last week, it was really a last-second throw uh, in the final minutes of the game that really determined the, uh, the outcome. Um, Ken Crowley was once again involved in that play. Um, and both times he was in a position to make the play, and just didn't do it. So, you know, honestly, it is very fair to say we are a couple of plays here or there away from being 2-0, and but sure. we're 0-2. And you are what your record says you are. I have Absolutely. to say this. Um, I have to say this. You know, if you would have told me in the beginning of that morning that the Saints defense was going to keep keep Odell Beckham out of the end zone, keep Victor Cruz out of the end zone, keep the running backs out of the end zone. In fact, the Giants offense would not score a single touchdown that day. We would lose P.J. Williams to a scary-looking concussion. I would have thought you were crazy because we gave up almost 500 yards to the Oakland Raiders uh, and the Giants had a better passing attack, a better running attack. Um, even though they were three and thirteen, I think last year, or, or four and twelve, something like that, they were a better team than the Raiders. Um, I, I thought for sure it was going to be another fifty-two to you know forty-nine shootout. Because if you look at the series since two thousand and what nine. That's been like the average score, 48 to 27, uh, 52 to 49. You know, it's been a shootout. And, you know, we had a secondary held together with gotch tape, duct tape, string, you name it. And they were able to do a good job because I have to credit uh, Dennis Allen. That was a bend but don't break defense, nothing deep, nothing cheap. And it was – like John Facenda said one time, it was a defense of more spit than polish, you know, more um, – oh, now I just lost it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, more spit than polish, more grit than glory, you know, something to that effect. You'll, but, never, uh, you'll never hear me argue with results. And, um, you know, my, my take on the whole game the other night was basically this – or the other day – was basically this uh, two weeks we've made the mistake our team has made the mistakes and that's caused them to be at zero and two at this point in the season now that being said this is not the end of the world and I know it, it sounds like I'm pumping sunshine but I'm really not I'm being realistic and by realistic I mean this a loss can be detrimental or it can work to your benefit and when I what I mean by working to your benefit I can live with a loss as long as I see progress being made the progress of that defense from the Oakland Raiders game to the New York Giants game I think that they made 
it's, I mean, they made a lot of progress uh, from week one to week two. Now, it, it, it definitely looked like the offense may have taken a step back. Uh, but It's painful to think that Steve Spagnola outcoached Sean Payton that day, but he actually did. Um, he came up with a, a great game plan to not only blitz breeze, uh, you know, but take away the deep stuff and make him throw underneath where he would get uh, his guys in position to make a tackle so there's no yards after the catch. And we were doing a lot of the same thing. Sure. But in with, with the offense, you know, uh, we shot ourselves in the foot more than the Giants just putting on great defense. And, sure. Um, like you know, I said. The, the, drop, the like drop passes were huge. Like I said, we've made the mistakes to make us an 0-2 team. But, and I will not deny or try to sidestep that at all. We, Like you said earlier, we are who our record says that we are. And we've earned that 0-2 record. But at the same time, I think it's uh, – in res- out of respect to the team and, and the effort that they've put together, I think it it must be allowed that we're uh, an 0-2 team that's, what now, four points from being a 2-0 and team? Of course, well, close, close doesn't count for much. But- no, it, hand grenades and horseshoes, as the cliche goes. Um, you know, if you, think the- about, if you think about it, though, Alan, this if you go back to and think about the um, the expectations going into the Raiders game this could be so much worse right now than it is don't would you agree yeah. with that oh absolutely I mean you know I, I think I listed this today um, you know going from the preseason and this is partially why the losses hurt so much because we haven't won since the end of the 2015 season. We haven't won a game. We haven't we didn't win any preseason games. We've lost the first two regular season games. Um, but yeah, going into season game one of this season, the offensive line was horrible. You know, Breeze wasn't be lucky if he was to survive through week four. You know, because he was just going to get killed. Okay, the offensive line held up in two games in a row despite the blitz uh he helped they did hold up enough but we heard after the Raiders game oh the offense looked great as always because they 500 yards and you know a lot of points uh 32 points but now the defense is a problem you know the secondary can't cover you got everybody hurt Devin Bro broke his leg you know you're already missing your number one draft choice Sheldon Rankins uh you know we're just not going to be able to field a decent defense uh, well, the defense held up. In fact, the defense probably played one of the best games they've played uh, at least since the 2009 season, you know, if not in the history of the Sean Payton era, you know. Uh, so now the 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 uh, thing they're attacking now is uh, the people who drop the passes, you know, Kobe Fleener. You know, that's your number one target. Um, Traveris Cadet, number two. Brandon Coleman. You know, Brandon Coleman had two passes he could have caught, 
harder than the first one because he was in the position he was in. The yeah. breeze, it's like he tried to throw a back shoulder pass and it wasn't quite a back shoulder and Coleman wasn't in a good position to catch either way and he tried to make this spectacular one-hand grab and it just did not work uh, but I blame Coleman more not for those passes although those passes were huge I blame him more for on that on that running play and it was probably Ingram's best play of the game on a sweep uh, could have put us really in good field position to uh, kind of ice the game away and, uh, you know, he just – he got beat. And, you know, and he just kind of reached out and grabbed the guy at the last second. And he really didn't need to do it because the the player he was blocking was trailing behind Unger. And Ingram was already halfway down the field. So it really was a dumb hole because it, it did make a difference one way or another. Let the guy go, you know. But it, it's just that gut reaction. I got this guy. I'm supposed to block. I mean, just grabbed the last minute and just didn't have, you know. So those are your three, you know, goats of the game. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the block field goal. Uh, you know, a lot of people are going after the kicker because uh, he's a rookie. Uh, yeah. He has a reputation from college, you know, not being very accurate. Uh, but if you watch the game, if you watch the film again, the Giants saw something. Um, they overloaded the uh, right side of the line. They got between the, the B gap, the gap between the, the uh, guard and the tackle, uh, got between Armstead and uh, um, Pete, and just overloaded it. And he came in clean and got a hold of that ball. So, yeah, we can say the kicker's kicking a little low, but if a guy comes in clean, it doesn't matter how low or how high you're going to get that lift. That's right. He's going to get a piece of it. Whether sure. he gets the whole ball or gets a partial block, it's still going to be a piece of it. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a combination of so many things. And that's kind of, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of extra time here, but that's kind of what I'm, I was going to go into here with, with Fleener, with the kicker, all this, is there's, a, there's an element here of a chemistry – this has to happen for this to happen for this to happen. You know, with the, with the special teams, you have to have great blocking, a great snap, turn the laces out. He has to get a good, comfortable feel to get the kick. You know, there's just so many different factors. It's hard to pinpoint and say, okay, this guy's the problem, or this is the problem, or this is the problem. In the block field goal, everything went wrong. You know, every, you could see it all kind of unravel with from the minute they they came through that gap, they should have seen the gap problem, but it didn't happen. So I'm sure they're going to work on it this week. This week, um, with Fleener, and this will be the last one I'm going to do. I'm going to let you talk for a while. Okay, well, you're doing I'm, fine, brother. Go ahead. Oh well, you know I wore this Jimmy Graham jersey for a reason. Uh, I I want to talk about Fleener and unrealistic expectations. Because of Jimmy Graham and the success he had as a tight end with the Saints offense, there, became, there came this expectation, especially after Graham got paid a lot of money, then he was traded, this expectation that Drew Brees can just turn these guys, whoever it is, into a superstar 
Okay. Drew Brees made Jimmy Graham. I can't tell you how many times I've read or heard that comment. I've said that a couple of times. Well, here's, here's the reality. Are you educated? Well, here's the reality, okay? Drew Brees can take, because he's such a good quarterback, can take an average player and make him a good player and can take a, a good player and make him a great player, okay? The system will do that. Because they're going to put the ball in the air. Peyton and Carmichael are going to draw up plays that are going to get you open, give you opportunities. That's the key, opportunities. Willie Sneed is a great example of this. The guy with, I don't want to say average ability because that's not quite accurate, but he, he he's a hard worker. He's a blue-collar kind of receiver. That's why New Orleans loves him so much. He produces he takes the opportunities and goes with it. Compare that to the Nick Toons, the Adrian Arrington's, um, you name, Brandon Coleman even. You know, sure. you name the receivers. They are not producing because they are not working as hard as a guy like Willie Sneed. All right? He is not blessed with talent like Cooks is blessed with speed, or he's not blessed with the size of a Michael Thomas. Jimmy Graham was the same way, okay? Jimmy Graham is a guy who was blessed with a lot of size, wingspan, speed. He had all these things, but he worked at being a good tight end to fit in this offense. So you take him out of the equation and you plug somebody else in. Ben Watson comes in. Now, Ben Watson is a 35-year-old, 11-year pro, whatever, okay? He has seen it, he has done it, he's experienced it. So the drop-off isn't that dramatic. But the Watts, Ben Watson had a career year last year, and it still wasn't as good as Graham. Well, so, they didn't they didn't begin using him a la Graham until what, halfway through the season? Just about and, well. And, and even so, even though he's not split out in the X, he's not split out in the slot. He is playing on a traditional tight end spot. Now he's running some of the same routes. But he's playing on a traditional tight end slot, okay, spot. So Watson has a good year, a career year for him, 700-something yards, almost 800 yards, and six touchdowns, I think, is what he had. I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but it was pretty close uh, that, to that. That sounds about right. Right. You know, he's not getting over 1,000 yards, 1,100 yards, and 11 TDs like Graham was getting, but that was a good year for him. Yeah. So here comes, we let Watson go. We bring in Fleener. Once again, the expectations. He's a young guy. He's a guy a lot like Jimmy Graham, got the speed, all these things. So he should be producing, you know, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdown kind of thing, kind of season. Okay. He should be that impact player, you know, yeah. the mismatch on the linebacker and so forth. And this is not excusing Fleener. But if Fleener, you know, comes out and say weeks five through 12 has some great games where he's catching five to seven passes for 70 yards or 80 yards or 100 yards even, and he finishes the season with 500 yards receiving and six touchdowns, that is a good season for a tight end, even in this offense. However, yeah. At being paid, what he is being paid, that's not what people want to see. 
They want yeah. to see a Jimmy Graham kind of production. They want to see a Pro Bowl tight end who's getting double-digit touchdowns, who is catching everything, being missed a third down, the whole bit. Yeah. So I think Fleener's having his problem right now. And, again, I'm not excusing it, but I think Fleener is going through some unrealistic expectations. They're expecting him to produce – the way a multi-million dollar free agent investment is supposed to produce and not as a tight end in a pass-oriented offense who has to kind of get acclimated to the offense. I, I don't think it sound- I don't think that whatever the reason is for Sneed's uh, – not Sneed, of uh, Fleener. Fleener. I, yeah. Whatever the reason is for his uh, unproductiveness, uh, I don't think it's felt as bad as it would be without Sneed and Cooks and Thomas stepping up the way that they have. But at the same time, I like you say, I believe that there have been some unrealistic expectations placed on him. I, I agree with you there. I've, but, you know, I've I've read several reports that say he's struggling to learn the offense. Uh, he's still at at week two in the season. He's running the wrong pass patterns, uh, stuff like that. And, and that's disconcerting because he what are, he dropped what two, are we, he dropped two catchable balls. I mean, they were right in his hands and he needs to make those plays. Sure. Um, and those and they were critical drops. Those, th- those kind of things when you're 0 and 2 are magnified even greater than they would be if you were 2 and 0. You know, yeah. as long as you're winning, nothing's wrong. You just, you're fine tuning the machine. But when you haven't won a game yet, you just start lobbing hand grenades, you know? Uh, well, you got $40 million in dead money, you know, from basically four or five free agents that were ended up being bust for you. Um, you know, with the Spiller deal that just happened with, uh, with the Gillette, with the Browner, you know, with Bird still, you know, people feel like they can't do anything right anymore. So, you know, when this guy has a bad game and he had a bad game, okay. He dropped a lot of catchable passes, uh, you know, instantly becomes, oh, here we go again. We just spent all this money and we get another bad player, you know, just like, you know, uh, Stephon Anthony's not playing right now. And another failed draft pick. Do you and think that's fair, though? From a, you know, from a fan's perspective, do you think that that's, that's a fair way of approaching it? It's a human way of approaching. It's how people are going to react to things when things are not going right. Like you said, we're 0 and 2. Okay. So they're going to pick on anything that could possibly be wrong. This is here we go again. We're 0 and 2 for the third consecutive season. This is what's wrong. These guys don't know what they're doing. They're grabbing people, throwing money at players, and that all they do is signing bums, you know, or all they do is drafting bums. Nobody knows how to pick players. Peyton can't coach. His offense is predictable. He's got his favorite coaches. He won't fire them. Um, yeah, just go down with Mickey Lewis, is just a money counter. He doesn't know how to evaluate talent. All these things come out because you're not winning. 
Yeah. So people just grasping for anything to show, you know, to blame because you're not winning because you should be winning. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to win every game. Yeah. And that goes for 32 teams in the NFL. Every fan base that's losing right now is saying you should be winning every game, except for the Cleveland Browns. They, they expect to lose because, you know, it's the Cleveland Browns, you know. It, oh, my, my buddy Jack is going to be disconcerted. Over oh, that. well, you know. Uh, wait, wait till we start no, talking I, about I, Atlanta. I had, Atlanta's like Moss Eisley Spaceport. You'll never find him a wretched hive of scum and villainy. But anyway, go ahead. I got to say it before Josh comes in, because once he comes <laughs> in, I can't, I can't rip that stuff anymore. You know? We're going to be joined uh, just any moment now by uh, Atlanta Falcons uh, journalist Josh um, Schultz. That explains the disturbance in the force. Yeah. But, hey, I only got one of them this week, so we don't have the uh, – There we go. No Sith Lords. No Sith. Okay. Um, did you ever – get a question? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask you to get a question of the week um, before we bring Josh in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, actually, the, the question this week comes from our uh, our director of media – uh, Mr. John B. Pinto. We love uh. you, John. <laughs> and, and actually, uh, his his status had nothing to do with this. He had he had a question that I, I actually am beginning to hear quite a bit. Um, said, here's a question. What do you or maybe think of making a trade for Garoppolo for No. No. Rumors of let me finish. Rumors of okay. the Patriots maybe doing something based on how how long Brady or how Brady will look coming back. Uh, I personally I don't see it happening because Garoppolo is going to be too coming from New England. He's going to be too expensive a a prospect for the Saints to sit on the bench when he can make money to be the starter elsewhere. If that makes sense. Well, the way they're dropping quarterbacks left and right, you know. Um, yeah, that's there, true. You know, there's, there are there are 32 teams, but there's probably about 20 all-starters out there playing quarterback right now. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. And – Here's the thing with any Patriots player. You have to realize that the Patriots, for whatever reason, have a system. Jack has developed a system, and he is the system, and he has developed players that succeed in his system. Players out and put them in your system, and they're not nearly as productive. I, you, you know, you talk about the Saints players bombing elsewhere. Look at the Patriots players and when they go off to somewhere else. LeGarrette Blunt signs a contract, goes with the Steelers. Now the Steelers run the football. Steelers know how to run the football. They built that team to run the ball. You know, he first gets the drug bust because he could have been a great running back, but he got high. You know, um, he tried, he did not succeed as a Steeler. Sure. Him. The Patriots pick him up the next week, plug him in, and beat the Steelers with him. It, it, it's just the way that system works. Rob Nikovich, 
did not do well over here. We cut him twice, okay? He goes to New England. He went to the Dolphins in between the two times we cut him. Goes to the Dolphins. Doesn't work in the Dolphins either. Goes to New England, and New England knows how to make him a good player because whatever whatever happens there, you know, whatever soul devil you know, Belichick sold his soul to for a, a, a winning team. He knows how to convert these players into great players. And, I, you know, I, that's my, my thing is it, it's a system. So you, I try to avoid New England. Matt Castle is another example. You know, Matt Castle does very well with the, uh, with the Patriots. He is not a great starter or even a competent backup anymore anywhere else. So, you know, it, it, it's hard to say. I would rather the Saints try and work, you know, through the draft or look at somebody to develop on their own, in their own system with, you know, whatever their strengths are. Um, are you trying to get in touch with Josh? Is he is he here yet? Does he know where we are? Um, apparently the link isn't working. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, see, Can I, you give I, him the link that you got? Ah, well. Try using the link that I sent you and see if that works. Um, meanwhile, I'll kind of start it off. Uh, once again, we play Atlanta on Monday Night Football. <laughs> I hope you can hear this. Um, oh, yeah. It is the 10-year. You remember when? 10 years ago. It was the opening of the Dome. You sound way Steve too Gleason. The unbelievable block punt. It's recovered in the end zone by Curtis DeLoach for a touchdown, and the stupid Dome went wild. Yeah, it was an incredible night. I was there. I was in the end zone where this happened. It happened literally right in front of us. And it was one of those things where I jumped up screaming about the block punt. Then it's just like the next instant, Curtis DeLoach has got the ball in the end zone to touchdown and just the place exploded. It was an unbelievable feeling. And it'll forever be one of the greatest nights in Saints history. So Atlanta, once again, they have to live with this for the rest of their lives because we have a statue of it. It gets mentioned over and over and over again because of Gleason's no white flags and his ALS. Um, so here we are, 10 years later, third week of the season. Naturally, Atlanta has to come to the Dome for and relive this nightmare again. So I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think with Atlanta being 1-1 one and one and us being 0-2, oh desperate for a win, we are going to be looking at a team that wants to finally put to rest uh, the Gleason block punt. Okay? And they want to take it out on us. The good news is we have a 12th man. And I'm not talking about the Superdome crowd. I'm talking about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan will do something for us to help us win the game. That's what I'm counting on. Um, where is my boy? I'm going to have all these Atlanta jokes for him, and he's not going to be here. 
Um, have you heard back from him yet, Josh? Oh, he's frozen. Anything. He might have gone away to try and find him. Okay. Um, previewing real quick then before Josh comes in. My, uh, my predictions of, oh, are you back, Sean? Have you heard from him? Nope, not yet. My predictions of uh, what, what's going to happen, I think first off that the offense is going to be out there throwing bombs left and right. I think there'll be a concentrated effort to get the running game going. You're going to see a lot more Mark Ingram. Um, you might even see Lasko in a little bit um, because, you know, Sean's hearing the, the questions, the comments about we're not running the football enough. You'll probably see a lot of running plays in the beginning, uh, try and soften up that Atlanta defense. And I think you'll see a big night out of Cooks. You'll see a big night out of Thomas and, of course, Snead. Um, you might even see what's his name come up. Oh. What's going on? Is he back? I see you moving. <laughs> um, I see you moving. Can we try to get the, the link to Josh once more? Let me see if I can. Okay. I'm probably going to disappear for a minute. Um, let's see. I apologize. Um, hey, it wouldn't be uh, technology if we didn't have something to screw up. Hang well, on. see, Hang I on. work from the, uh, the Hangouts app. Okay. I got to make sure to spell his name right. Okay. You got me back now? I got you back. Uh, I'm okay. I'm sorry, guys. Y'all got to watch me hunt and peck here, um, but it's a little bit harder when you make want to make sure you spell it right. Um, and on the light on. Okay, I just resent it, so I hope that works. Um, okay. I'm hoping he I, said, he's got it. He said that he got the link, but it's not letting him come in. Yeah. Because he's it's an edu address i'm worried that his his network system is going to block it you think possibility well, he may know. have done it he may have done it before i don't know but it's not the same address we had uh sat you know two saturdays ago so that's what i'm worried about you know i know my wife's um school teacher and her uh her email account the filters uh block certain things if they think it's a um a virus or they think it's social media or whatever, you know, they, they've got it. Social disease. Oh, I don't I'm know. Live. Live again. Oh, yes, you are live. Yes, you are live. I um, promised myself I wasn't going to sing for this. No. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to get Josh on. Uh, I'll just keep stalling. You know, you want me to start singing, putting on the Ritz? I'll start doing putting on the Ritz like young Frankenstein. When you blue, I'm sorry. So we did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what I was going to say was I would not be surprised to see Fleener have a big night too. Uh, Monday night, you know, the Saints are really good on Monday night football. They're really good on Sunday night football. You know, I expect them to do really well. So we'll see how this goes. Um, I, I, my, uh, I seem to be losing you on regular basis now. 
Okay. Um, well, I was going to ask your your thoughts on the Atlanta game. I think that we get off the schneid. Uh, uh, I want to. I want to say that the um, you know Atlanta's one and one, but the uh, the game that they won last week, um, they just kind of, for lack of a better way of putting it, backed into. Uh, and you got the ten year anniversary of the return to the Superdome. You got Steve Gleason night team that's mad because and undefeated and they're zero and two. I, I think that all of those things combined for a long night for Atlanta. Um, and and I re- I look at it this way: um, this team is it's going to win some games. It is going to uh, it's going to beat some opponents that they're not supposed to beat. Things are slow right now. Because we had still, even after a year now, because uh, I said this a year ago, and I'm still saying the same thing, we have a very young team. Anytime that your depth is made up of rookies or young guys. Undrafted free agents. You've yeah, got undrafted free agents. When that's what your depth is made of, and by – happenstance or circumstance you wind up having to go to your depth and they're young guys as we saw last year with Delvin bro uh, the only way that 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 experience and that knowledge is going to come is at a trial by fire uh, they're going to make mistakes they're going to have to learn from those mistakes as they make them and uh, I don't think that is the end of the world. Now, some of the teams in the league, uh, for example, Philadelphia, do you think at the midway point of the season that they're still going to be undefeated at 8-0? No, no, no. No. There's, there, the thing is, as, as I've said many times before, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Start off slow. They have to find their chemistry and their their group. They start off slow and end up hot. You got teams that come out of the gates like uh, gangbusters. They they peter out about halfway through the season and wind up going on a losing skid at the end of the season. Um, like I said, I don't think that 0-2 is the end of the world. And I think that yeah. – well, you've got you've got a team, and I keep trying to tell people this too. You know, you've got a team that's, as we keep saying, is young, but they are. If you look at the games, they are playing better than the two seven nine teams we had previously. Um, Absolutely, you see a lot of you see a lot of guys making plays. Let's talk about some of the good free agents that the uh, Saints have signed. We already mentioned Willie Sneed, but. Probably the MVP of this defense right now is uh, Craig Robertson. I mean, he's unbelievable in sure. linebacker. And I don't know if it's because for the past two years we have not had NFL caliber linebackers out there playing. You know, when you've got players like Hawthorne, you have players like hum- Humbler, you know, you've got those guys out there. Uh, to see Craig Robertson out there actually making plays, he's a linebacker who can actually cover. 
okay, you're seeing it's just so much more enjoyable because you're now seeing guys in the right position making the doing the right thing. And very quietly, Nick Fairley is doing a yeoman job for somebody who's supposed to just be a rotational player. You know, he's playing at a high level. And we found, what was it, a week, two weeks ago against Oakland, he was one of their higher rated, higher rated defensive tackles. So they got him more reps against the Giants, and he played even better against the Giants. Tyler Davidson is coming into his own. You know, you're starting to see some pieces come into play. So when Sheldon Rankins comes back after week eight, you know, when Sheldon Rankins comes into the game, he's going to be brought into rotation, and he's going to help this defense get even better. And then Burrow will come in, and Burrow will now be with guys who have been playing. So he will not have to feel the pressure of being the shutdown guy right away. You know, so you're going to see guys kind of – Von Bell got a lot of playing time against the Giants, and he played well. You are going to see a defense that's going to grow together. You're going to see a defense become better in the next couple of years. I think this team is much closer to the 2008 Saints than they are the 2014-2015 Saints. Uh, and that 2018 had something happen to them that became the mantra for 2009, that 2018 could not finish games. So what became the mantra? Finish strong. Finish. Finish. Well, what are we seeing already in the first two games? Okay. We saw in game one, the Raiders gave up 22 uh, – Saints gave up 22 points to the Raiders because he didn't finish. In game two, it boiled down to a last drive by the Giants because the Saints didn't finish, okay? We're going to see that that's going to be the push now. Finish, finish, finish. And when this team finishes, they are going to win. And that's what I think is going to happen. We're going to see that kind of stuff. So I'm excited. I don't walk away from the games going, oh, my God, I can't believe I just watched this. This is horrible. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. This has got to go. This is bad. We're not seeing that, okay? We're seeing guys that are in position to make plays, but it's not happening yet. It's going to happen. And that's what I was trying to get across with Fleener. You know, it's going to happen eventually. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Okay? You're going to see these things happen. And maybe it happens, you know, Monday night. Maybe we finally get that game where everything kind of goes in the, in the right place, just like we did, you know, last year when Atlanta came in at 5-0. Oh, and we pretty much torpedoed this season because they went on a three and eight slide after that game. Uh, yeah. And the same thing with, uh, you know, in 2012, we had the worst defense. It's funny, both times we had the worst defense in NFL history. 2012, Atlanta comes in undefeated. And here come the Saints with the worst defense in history, and they torpedo their season again. Um, we may see something like that again. I mean, you know, it's a divisional game. You throw out the proverbial records, you know, the whole bit. So I don't think we're going to get Mr. Josh tonight, unfortunately. We might have to uh, – if we do this again, we might have to schedule this guy first thing and go into it from there because uh, he's having trouble getting in. Uh, Sean, are you hearing from him? 
Oh, you're frozen again. Okay. Um, well, then I'm going to go ahead and do this. Uh, let me go into the extra points. Uh, okay. You, you heard me? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I heard a bit of, of it. We're going to, uh, we're going to try to work out whatever it is that's wrong and try to get Josh on here next week. <laughs> okay. Give it, give it his, uh, that's the only. I think we should move him to the front too. That way we, we have some time before we go on the air to get him, you know, make sure everything's working right rather than having to try and jump in in the middle of the show while we're live. That'll probably be the best thing. Um, extra points. It's time for the rant. <laughs> okay. Do you uh, want to do yours first? Since you I were having so much trouble? I can try. Uh, mine actually this week has absolutely nothing to do with football. Uh, there was an incident over the weekend in New York where there were bombs placed apparently uh, from all oh great poor Sean I don't know and and guys when y'all are watching this um in the feedback let us know who is freezing if it's me or if it's Sean there was a senseless killing in Tulsa of what seemed to be an innocent guy that was gunned down by the police. I don't put myself in the position of being in judgment of either side of this, but you know, this has got to stop. I, I don't agree at all with the things that are going on in the world right now. And it's a scary place to be. We all need to find a way to work these things out and to get along. Uh, football, professional sports can be a way of bringing us all together. Um, and in the, the, the world famous words of uh, the guy, oh, he's, his name escapes me now, Rodney King, can't we all just get along? Um, a, a guy, apparent from all indications, a guy was senselessly gunned down. Ladies and gents, he will have Wi-Fi next week. I promise you he's going, he's working on that right now so we can stop freezing like this uh, to make sure it's not uh, just simply a case of... Uh, Oh, you got it? You're back? Yeah. I'm, I'm bragging about your future Wi-Fi so we can make sure it's it's the connection yeah. and not, not the actual software we're using here. Yes. Um, well, you know, my extra point thing is uh, relatively minor in comparison. Um, mine is about Sunday pregame shows <laughs> compared to your serious conversation. ESPN is just revamp their entire NFL countdown. I don't know if anybody's even paid attention to it. I haven't watched it. And here's why. Um, what ESPN and some of these pregame shows do not get is you've got fans from 32 teams that are watching these pregame shows. 
they want to hear you talk about 32 teams. They don't want to hear you spend 30 seconds on Jacksonville versus Cleveland and then spend the next 45 minutes hyping the Dallas-Washington game. Okay? Washington has not been relevant in 20 years. All right? Yes, they play in the NFC East. Yes, they are the nation's capital. And I know the Browns and the Jaguars are not relevant. But the NFC East bias gets old real fast. And this has been this way forever. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And if it's not the NFC East, it's San Francisco. The AFC East. Yes, New England. It's the Jets. You know, it's never going to be about let's spend some time talking about, oh, I don't know, the Super Bowl champions, Denver Broncos. How are they doing this with a rookie quarterback who's never taken a snap in the NFL prior to two Thursday nights ago? Um, God forbid. Let's talk about Kansas City. You know, uh, let's spend time in the heartland for a little while. Oh, I don't know. Let's talk about the Bengals and this coach. And let's review his record as a head coach. Uh, he is a 500 coach, okay? Let's criticize him. Let's talk about him, all right? Let's talk about the NFC South and how parity is in the NFC South because despite Carolina winning division three years in a row, you know, you've got three teams in there who could probably win a division in most of the other divisions in the NFL, except for maybe the AFC East and right now the AFC West, but they could probably win the division in the other uh, in any of the other divisions. Okay, um, you know it, it drives me crazy, and it's been a bugaboo of mine. And they've revamped this cast with all new young faces. They got rid of all the old guys. Chris Carter got his Hall of Fame. And that's the only reason why he was even on the network. But they got rid of Tom Jackson, got rid of the old guys to put these people in there. I sat through 15 minutes of the show, and it was the same thing, just different people saying the same old crap. Uh, I enjoy the Fox pregame show so much more because they got more out of it in an hour than than, than ESPN can do in two hours. Sure. Okay, and that's my rant. That's my rant. I, I, you want to learn how to do a show right, you watch Fox. That's how Fox – that's how pregame show is supposed to be. Absolutely. Um, boy, it's a shame. We really structured this because we were giving, trying to give uh, Josh a lot of time to talk about the Atlanta previews. Um one of the things that he had said in the uh, Saturday night show, kickoff show two weeks ago, was uh, Matt Ryan is really, you know, kind of on his last leg with Atlanta fans. They're ready to kick him out of the kick him out of the, <laughs> the franchise. Um, now, in the first game of the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ryan did not have a good day. Against the Raiders, he had a much better game. Um, but we're talking about the Raiders again. You know, this is a defense we hung 500 yards on. So he had a good game against the Raiders. So 
I guess what I was going to ask Josh was, are we seeing an improved Matt Ryan or are we seeing the same yo-yo Matt Ryan? From what I can yeah. tell, we're seeing the same yo-yo Matt Ryan. We're not seeing um, an up-and-coming quarterback anymore. We're seeing a guy who plays well, levels you know, competition. You know, um, in kickoff special, Josh alluded to the fact that Matt Ryan is wearing out his welcome really quickly with Atlanta. And it, he, he felt like – Oh, it's every time you just start to make a point too, Sean. Um, I, I, I watched the Atlanta defense. Their pass coverage seems to be better, but their pass rush isn't any better. I think we have a good shot of dealing with this pass rush. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying I was just saying that Josh alluded to the fact that it looks like it's going to come to a head be, for the fans to a choice between uh Dan Quinn as the head coach and Matt Ryan as the quarterback because it it's it's appearing right now that both can't survive. Well, you know, Atlanta's got and I got to be careful how I'm going to phrase this. Michael Vick casts a huge shadow on the Atlanta Falcons franchise. He it represents a racial divide in that in that city. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who like that kind of quarterback. And when I say that kind, I'm talking about a, a running quarterback who, who – um, is a superstar, you know, the, uh, you, you see it in terms of, um, you know, Russell Wilson, you see it in terms of RG three, his first year when he was actually healthy and worth a damn, um, you know, the, the quarterback who can, who can make plays with his legs, uh, the Cam Newtons, that kind of quarterback, um, a guy who can make plays with his legs as well as his arm. Um, and because of the way the Vic years ended with the dog fighting, the federal prosecution, the prison term, and everything else like that, you've got a lot of Falcon fans um, who still feel like – see, i got to be careful on my phrases because I love animals, but I, and I don't want to say it was a much to do about nothing, but you've got people who honestly believe that – Hey man, it, it, it's it's it was dogs kind of thing, and as disgusting as that is, I'm not trying to get into a justification of dog fighting at all. But there are a lot of fans who feel like the punishment didn't fit the crime. Sure, okay, and they felt like Atlanta got screwed out of this, and. They lost a superstar who could have possibly made that franchise relevant. And to well, have well, well, Matt Ryan come in, who is the opposite. the NFC Championship game. Yeah. And to have Matt Ryan come in, and he is in many ways the opposite of Vic. He is not – he is hyped to be a superstar, but he's a drop-back passer. He is not a uh, – <clears throat> He's a milk toast kind of guy. I mean, he really is. You know, he is not the kind of guy that people just look at and go, "Yeah, I want his jersey. I want to be like, 
I want to be like Matt. You know, they want to be like Mike. You had the Mike Vick experience where, you know, you're, you're, just, you're a playmaker. You're exciting, okay? And I don't like Vick, you know, and it's not just because he played for Atlanta. I don't like those kind of quarterbacks anyway. I don't like the running quarterbacks because, you know, I want somebody to beat the crap out of him for running around like that. You know, it's just how I am. Um, you know, I like the same drop back passers. Well, oh, poor Sean, every time. Um, we're old school. You hear me? Yes, I hear you now. Uh, there, you and I are a lot alike in that we're like old school. We're more mm-hmm. traditionalist. You know, we yeah. the the era that you and I came up in uh, obviously is much different than the era that is now. Uh, and I, the, the Terry Brad the Terry Bradshaw I knew was winning four Super Bowls and throwing to Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, not an yeah. old ball fat guy on Fox pregame. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, same with Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts was another quarterback that I loved. You absolutely. know, so. Those uh those old Miami Dolphins San Diego Charger games. Greatest game I ever saw. Greatest game bar none. Greatest game I ever saw. The Dolphins Chargers uh, championship game or divisional playoff game in uh in the AFC uh, nineteen eighty one. Uh, Greatest game. Absolutely. Tony Nathan, baby. Hey, hook and lateral. Uh. You had Chuck Muncie there. You had Wes Chandler, two ex-Saints. Uh, you know, Kellen Winslow had the game Kellen. of his career. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. James Brooks. Um, and and, yeah. and as, as a reward for winning that game, they got to go play in, what, 40 or 50 below the Ice zero. Bowl. Ice Bowl, too. Ice Bowl, too. I watched that game. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Uh, I've never seen, you know, and I was That's upset. When, I wanted the Chargers to go. That's when football – yeah, I wanted the Chargers and the 49ers to play each other in that Super Bowl. That's what that's what would have been the Super Bowl that year. That would have been a hell of a matchup. Eric Coryell versus Bill Walsh in the West Coast offense. Which offense would have been the offense of the 80s? I, I you know, I've always had this I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, Ernie Zampezi, and we're, getting, we're running out of time here, but Ernie Zampezi was the architect of Air Coryell, okay? Ernie Zampezi basically taught that offense to North Turner. North Turner takes that offense, goes to Dallas in the late 80s, 89, 90, and teaches it to Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, uh, uh, Novacek, Emmett Smith, and you created... Air Coryell, a version of Air Coryell in Dallas, playing the 49ers who were running the West Coast offense in those games uh, in the early 90s, the Cowboys against the 49ers. So it would be interesting to see Dan Fouts, Wes Chandler, Kellen Winslow in that offense take on Joe Montana pre-Jerry Rice. Joe Montana, yeah. pre Roger Craig. This is this is uh, Dwight Clark. This is Solomon, Freddie Solomon. This is uh, yeah. I don't even remember the running back's name anymore. It was a funny name. Wendell Tyler. No, oh, yeah, Wendell Tyler was one of them because he came from the Rams. But you know, Bill, um, Bill Ring. 
Yeah, there was uh, number 49. I don't remember his name. Um, I can picture the highlights. I just don't remember his name. But yeah, and, you know, that was that would have been an interesting dynamic to see that happen and then replay again 12 years later. And we are taking elements of the West Coast offense and also Ernie Zampese's Air Coriel offense, combining the two to make our offense. So it's it's really unique to see the, how the history kind of just carries itself all the way through. Um, so next time we hope we have our guests. Um, we'll have to set him up early yeah. so Josh can talk about what he saw because uh, it'll be fresh in his mind. It's the day after we play a Monday night football. Uh, yeah. So Sunday will be actually a very calm day for me for a change. Um, Not me, man. It'll be boring. <laughs> I'll watch some of the games. I, I watch the games, but it's hard for me to get into something that I'm not emotionally invested in. Well, I'm not playing fantasy football. I sold my team to my son, so I'll let him run my fantasy teams now. Uh, first time in over 20 I, years. I, I've, I, I played fantasy football one year, which was last year, and I had a perfect season. I lost every game that I played. <laughs> I lost the championship game, so that's that's how I, I was. Uh, I was the 2008 New England Patriots. Um, or oh, 2007. Sorry, the game was played in 2008, but 2007. Um, so join us next time. We'll have Josh. We'll get him early. We'll get his thoughts on what happened Monday night. Uh, good, bad, and ugly. Um, we'll uh, we'll preview the next game, which is the San Diego Chargers game um, in San Diego, I believe. And yes. uh, that'll be Breeze's first trip back to San Diego since uh, he had his injury back in 2005. So this is going to be a really emotional game for uh, Drew. I expect us to be at the bye at 2-2 two and two, um, because I think we can beat the Chargers. I think we can definitely beat the Falcons. Um, just we'll see if we survive, if everyone comes out healthy, we don't lose any more people um, and, and guys start coming back. I'm, Curious to see. I don't expect PJ Williams to play tomorrow, uh, Monday night. I do expect him back though for the Chargers game. Uh, that was a scary, scary hit he took, and um, he was playing really well too. That's the unfortunate part. So, hope to see you next time, uh, Sean. Any final thoughts? Or are you just going to sit there pensively in a frozen screen again? I'm going to superimpose Jack Nicholson's face. So every time you come in, you come back, I'll get, here's Johnny. There you go, there you go John, a little shining reference for you. Um, and he also will have Wi-Fi hopefully next time so we don't freeze anymore. Um, so for Sean Williams and I, um, thank you again for joining us. Uh, under the dome don't forget to send us your questions comments criticisms stop wearing that jimmy graham jersey he's been gone i'm sick of hearing about jimmy graham you are like jimmy graham's uh official chairman of his fan club i'm tired of hearing about jimmy graham anything else sean <laughs> uh if you wear jimmy graham's jersey again we're gonna bring Stu on to uh to either no wait was it Stu or marty marty Marty's the one okay. who hates it. Yeah, we'll 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 have to get Marty on here to talk you down off that ledge. Nah. 
I just got to replace him. That's all. Anyway, good night, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. We love you guys. Love to hear from you. Good night. See you next week. <laughs>